Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. On a chilly October 8th morning, recapping Atlanta United's 1-1 draw with Columbus on Saturday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AGC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. In today's podcast, you're going to hear from manager Gonzalo Pineda and players Caleb Wiley and Brooks Lennon. I'm also going to answer your questions as we recap what... It depends on how optimistic you want to be about last night's performance. It was good that Atlanta United scored in the final minute, but bad that basically it got dominated for 90 minutes at home by, yes, a very good Columbus team, but still Atlanta United was at home. And we were going to get into all of that in just a minute. If this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor. But I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Now, before we hear from Gonzalo Pineda and the two players, I want to talk for a little bit about preseason goals and expectations and performances and must-win games. Before the season... The team's goal, according to manager, or I'm sorry, according to President Garth Lagerway, Vice President Carlos Bocanegra, and manager Gonzalo Pineda, was to finish among the top four in the Eastern Conference. Why top four? Because it comes with home field advantage in the first round of the playoffs, best of three. Atlanta United, as most teams are, much better at home than on the road. So, Atlanta United, you know. Messed around a little bit this year, had some good games, had some bad games, but still a path opened after last week's results that if Atlanta United were to win its last three games, it could finish top four. The problem, the opponents were Philadelphia, Columbus, and Cincinnati, three of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. But still, Pineda was you know, pleased that, hey, the team has got three games. It controls its fate. It's going to face three really good teams. This is good preparation for the playoffs. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Then, against Philadelphia, it gives up three goals in nine minutes in the first half. Once again, it fights back, but you're facing a team that's three goals up. Their their, their focus isn't entirely going to be there. They were a tired team. It it was, you know, again a respectable uh, rally by Atlanta United, but to be down three to nothing in the first place does not bode well for the playoffs. Then you're at home against Columbus. Atlanta United was 10-3-3 at home before this game came out, and Columbus just dominated them in the first half, absolutely crushed them. I think it was like 11 shots 
to Atlanta United's one or two in the first half. And then, you know, Columbus eventually got its goal. It was it was a fluky goal. It was a lucky goal for Columbus. It appeared the ball bounced off of Mateus Huzetu's foot and sending it right to Cucho Hernandez to one time a shot. And then Atlanta United, again, you know, fought back, fought back, got a goal in the final seconds on a Miles Robinson header in what is likely his second-to-last home game at Atlanta United. But, again, it's – I was racking my brain last night trying to think of when was the last time Atlanta United won a must-win game. Now, every match has importance. But a lot of the matches, the importance is eventual because you don't know, like if you're the fourth game of the season, what's going to happen by the end of the season. I'm talking about games of import, games of immediate stakes. The only one I can think of that Atlanta United has won was when it qualified for the playoffs in 2021. Um, I think it was the final game or the second to final game, something like that. Before that, you'd have to go back to 2019 in the playoffs. The team has just not shown up. It hasn't performed well in games of importance, which, again, does not bode well for the postseason. So Atlanta United cannot finish fourth. To finish fifth, it needs a little bit of help. It needs uh, to to either – well, it needs to either defeat Cincinnati or hope that New England doesn't get a point – or gets no more than a point from its final two games. Atlanta United can fall to seventh uh, if Nashville wins its final two games and Atlanta United does not defeat Cincinnati. Now, it's important because the seeds right now, Cincinnati's a supporter shield winner, number one. Orlando is second. It cannot be caught. It is locked in to two. Philadelphia is third with 55. Columbus is fourth with 54. Now, if New England wins its last two games, it can pass both those teams and go up into third. So Atlanta can will likely face Orlando, Philadelphia, or Columbus. It may face New England, but I'm not going to put them in the in the mix just yet. Um, but Atlanta does not have a good record against any of those teams this year. Um, it's just it's it's concerning if you're in Atlanta. United fan, I would think. Now, let's hear from Gonzalo Pineda uh, talking about the fact that the team cannot finish fourth. Well, yeah, we couldn't. We couldn't. And uh, I think uh, we tried. We certainly tried. We certainly fought for that spot. Today, Columbus, uh, I think, was better than us in many ways. And uh, I felt that Tactically, we could have done a little bit better both on and off the ball. Uh, but what I take from today's performance and and kind of summarize the season is kind of the fight of the team was always present. Always many, many games where we were fighting till the end. Sometimes when we were not playing probably at our best, we we're fighting till the end. And that's a signature for me of a championship team. Those are champion behaviors of never quitting, always fighting till the end, even though at times we know the opponent can be better than us. Um, we are humble to know that at times we cannot be the best team in the league. And uh, and we try certainly to be and to play it as the best, but today wasn't the case. Columbus, they have a very good team, a very good coach, and uh, but we fought and we earned one point. That's very valuable to me. 
Now, after going on a several epic rants about and, and rightful rants about the officiating and the loss of Philadelphia, uh, this time Panetta was a little more introspective about the draw with Columbus. Well, I take it on me. This time I, I take it on me. I think uh, players did everything we asked for. Everything. It's just a tactical switch that Columbus did that we couldn't fix until the, the, the first half. And after that, it was more of an open game in the second half, I would say. Uh, and we knew that this was a, an opponent that was very similar to us, always wanting the ball, always disrupting. And when they break through the middle, they change the pace, very similar to what we do when we find Thiago or Brooks in the pockets or Tristan, and then we change the pace and we attack with some danger. They are the same, it's just today they were better. Uh, basically, for the switch that they did, their win back on the left was coming inside. That's, that was causing us a lot of issues because then Rosetto had no men to mark. We we're trying to put a lot of pressure on them. Uh, Thiago was on, on, on Nagby, and then Rosetto uh, didn't have anyone because Tristan was on Morris or vice versa. Thiago and, and Tristan were highlighted to press. Uh, Aiden and Morris and 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 Nagby, but then the left wing back was inside, so that caused us a lot of issues tactically. And in the first half, we couldn't fix it. And then in the second half, we tried and and we tried something different, just putting more pressure with the four four two. Unfortunately, the concussion with uh, with um, with Jamal Jare, um kind of we changed a little bit there. But again, tactically, yes. We as coaches, we can do better. It, it was something that they didn't do before. Of, of course, they did it because they didn't put Yeboa. Um, and normally, Yeboa is the one that is higher on the field. So, uh, But um, I take it on me. The players did everything I asked for, a lot of effort, and, and, and I take that uh, positive point from today. And here's Pineda talking about how the schedule will help the team in the playoffs. But that's exactly the point of all of these is, guys, we, we faced the, in that moment the fourth place in the in the league, Philadelphia, who was the runner-up in the last season, they went very, very long way in the CCL. So they are a very good team, and we were right there. I think for, I would say, 80 plus minutes, we were the better team against them, playing in their house, and just a little lapsus in in the last six minutes of the first half. But I take that that we are able to compete against the best today, even though I think Columbus was better than us in many things. I think we also create a few chances that were, um, you know, encouraging, and, and we can play uh, against uh, match the intensity and the football of the best teams in the league. And now it will be the same against Cincinnati. Who, if you remember, last time it was almost 70 minutes, 70 something, where we were winning against them, and I think we were better. And then they start to get some momentum and they score two goals. But I would say that we can use this to really, really compete against the best teams in the league. And then when we are in playoffs, probably we we'll learn something about these couple games, Philadelphia not shutting down, uh, being alert in the restart, the set pieces, the first goal we, we conceded against Philly, you know, we were not ready. So we need to learn from there. It's another lesson in playoffs to be alert in everything today, tactically, how we can solve things, not just from the coaches, but the players as well on the field, how they can find the solution in certain tactical issues. And then playing away in a very tough place like Cincinnati can be another good lesson for us and I would take it and, and we'll try to prepare the team the best uh, for for the playoffs. And then I was curious, um, after Sabalovchenitze and Sean De Silva really were very effective with, I think it's six goals and five assists, 
something like that. Uh, that's off the top of my head. And their first few matches, the past two games, they don't have a goal. They don't have an assist. Saba hasn't taken a shot or created a chance. Shulva has taken two shots and created two chances. So they aren't as effective. Um, and I was curious, is that do the opponents have more tape? Um, or is it just what happens? And here's Pineda's response. Sometimes this, this happens. I would say that they, they, again, they were doing everything I asked for. Um, so Saba, I think, was very incisive at times. I wanted him a bit more out wide, and he was coming too far inside at times in the first half. Uh, but even there, I think he created a few half chances, and, and yeah, for sure, he didn't have that uh, final touch that, that was happening before. But it happens. He's a fantastic player. He's going to be an amazing player for us. We we already saw that. And I think at times, you know, he needs to get better, uh, know to get to know better his teammates around him. And once that happens, he's going to be very good. Uh, caught up with Caleb Wiley. The locker room didn't have a lot of people left in it last night when we got there. There was a we had to do some. There were some changes to the post game um, routines because the players wanted to do a lap. Uh, for the home fans that showed up in the in the final regular season match, and so it, things got a little uh, squirrely. But anyway, here's Caleb Bali talking about the mood of the team. I mean, yeah, you just said you know those were our goals, but at the end of the day, like if you don't achieve your goals, you just gotta you know bounce back and you know start from where you're at. I mean, I think I'm really happy with the group and where we're at right now. Okay. Um, I like where we're at. The momentum is um, you know we're flying, um, and so I, the, the belief that I have in this team and the coaching staff is huge. Um, so I think you know going into playoffs, I mean it's gonna be a special special moment for this team. And I was curious. It- because Pineda said that the players did exactly what they were told to do, if there was some frustration in the first half. Yeah, I mean credit to Columbus. They were they were a good side. They're a good side. Um, I mean they probably played the better you know soccer tonight. Um, and so, like you said, it, it was frustrating because they had probably more of the ball, more they created more chances. Right. Um, and so, obviously, as a back line, you're constantly getting attacked on, and it's just not fun. Um, but, you know, there's times when we, we had our chances and we kept our cool. I think just keeping the possession and yeah. you know, moving it around was important. Um, and, yeah. and here's Brooks Lennon, uh, an admitted goal setter from a story I did two weeks ago about his desire to be called back into the U.S. Men's National Team on the team not fulfilling its goal of finishing fourth. I think we're all right. Um, yeah, we're all right. We're, that's, that's not a – we're not thinking about that. We're not disappointed in that. Um, you know, we're in the playoffs and we can beat anyone. And I wanted to ask him if he's worried because the past two playoff teams, Philadelphia and, Orlando, uh, and Columbus, the team faced, it didn't perform well. No. No, I'm not, we're not worried. We're not worried at all. We have a good team. Um, we're ready to win in the playoffs. Uh, we have the team to do it home and away, so we're not worried. And then Lennon was asked about what was learned from playing playoff teams. Yeah, it's going to be uh, It's good to play these teams now. Um, you know, we're playing Philadelphia, Columbus, and Cincinnati back to back to back. Uh, those are three teams that are going to probably finish in the top four, uh, and we're going to have to play against... I would assume one of them. So uh, it's great to see them now. And, um, you know, it's almost like a, a, 
uh, a playoff game before the playoffs. Um, and that's kind of what tonight felt. I thought they played really well. Uh, I got to give them credit and tip your hat to them. They, they uh, controlled the ball very well. And, uh, you know, not every game is going to be beautiful. We're not going to, you know, have all the possession. Sometimes, um, you know, you got to defend um, really well. And I thought we did that. I thought the goal that we conceded was a little unlucky. Um, you know, kind of just bounced straight to the <laughs> straight to their striker. But uh, other than that, yeah, I thought we defended really well. Obviously, we didn't control the ball, but um, we just moved forward. And now we get a little bit of rest uh, for, for a week uh, and train during that time and prepare for a Cincy. All right. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When we come back, we're going to have a voicemail and some traditional mails. I hope you enjoy. Ocean Breeze tropical beach an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise a drive to daytona beach will actually get you there beach on plan your trip today at daytonabeach.com hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline the atlanta journal constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners if you subscribe today you can get six months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents that's all of our sports coverage, our politics, our breaking news, our investigations, our food and dining, and so much more on AJC.com. Plus, you can get access to the e-paper and our assortment of newsletters, of which we have many. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts so you always know what's really going on. What a crazy day in college football yesterday, huh? Before we get into some of the soccer. Georgia stomped Kentucky in its annual. Kentucky is not that good after a hot start game. Mario Cristobal lost his mind, and Georgia Tech fought back to beat them on the road. Crazy, crazy day. And all of that coverage is in the AJC, as well as the Braves being shut out by the Phillies. We got Hawks, we got high schools, we got everything. All right, let's go to the mailbag 404 526 AJCP, 404 526 2527. We have one voicemail from Chad in Knoxville, formerly of Eastlake. Hey, Doug. Uh, really thankful for your podcast. This is Chad, uh, formerly of Eastlake, but now living in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, my question about the game last night uh, is. Primarily, did you see something uh, that caused Atlanta United to, to lose its effectiveness? Um, I was trying to read the game, and I, 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 I'm not exactly sure what Columbus was doing to shut down Almada and, and uh, to keep Yorgos uh, at bay and get so few touches. But did you see something um, maybe that they were doing tactically uh, that worked well against us? Um, I appreciate uh, your thoughts and uh, thanks again. Hey Chad, I'm curious how you why you had to move from East Lake to Knoxville. I've only I've been to Knoxville a couple of times. It's a pretty cool, pretty cool little place. Um, but I don't know as much about it as like my friend Kelly, for example. Um, so Columbus did a couple of interesting things last night. Uh, number one, they simply dominated the ball. 
Um, they pinned Atlanta United into its half in the first half. Columbus was patient with the ball. They don't take many chances with their passing, but their movements are sharp. Their movements are well-drilled. And Atlanta United simply could not play through. Part of it also was Columbus went with kind of a 3-4-2-1 formation and really, really clogged the middle of the field, taking space away from Almada. And it also made it difficult to Yakamakis because he had three center backs to try to fight through. He still had some chances. He had two good chances. One was a header he couldn't quite get to, and another was a, a chip from Mosquera in the second half that he couldn't quite get to. But it's not easy when you got you know two guys draped on you at all times. Columbus is just a, they're a good team. Wilfred Nancy is a fantastic coach. They've got a lot of talent. I mean, you look at the lineup, Cucho Hernandez, Matan, Rossi, Morris, Nagby, Gressel, Marrera, Camacho, Sherberko. Good team. Good team. They know exactly what it is they're trying to do, and they execute it well. And Atlanta United, you know, new faces, some things. Atlanta United started to play, try to play a little too much like Columbus, um, Pineda talked about Saba kind of came inside a little bit too much instead of staying outside. I think that might have been true for Silva, too. Tactically, Pineda, you heard Pineda talk about they would bring their left back in a little bit more, and it resulted in Huzetu didn't really have anyone to mark because Almada and Mayumbo were having to pick up people man-on-man, and it took until halftime for them to correct that. As I wrote in a story you'll see soon, though, I was curious. I didn't get a chance to follow up on this, but I was curious about it because this is a tactic Atlanta United does, too. They bring Brooks Lennon inside and create overloads in the middle. So I would think it's something that Atlanta United's defense sees quite often, but it's something Pineda said they couldn't solve until halftime. And even then, I don't know if they solved it. Columbus still came out and, and dominated a lot of the opening minutes of the second half. They had a goal. It was flagged for offside, but they scored a goal. Um, Brad Guzan was forced into a couple of mega saves with his feet as Columbus broke through. And then after they got that goal, Columbus kind of relaxed a little bit. And that's when Atlanta United started to be able to get back into the game until it scored Robinson's winner. It was, uh, you know, just statistically, Atlanta United got, got rolled. Um, Columbus finished with twice as many expected goals, 2.11 to 1.12, or almost twice as many expected goals, 2.11 to 1.12. 22 shots to Atlanta United's 10, six on target to Atlanta United's four. It was, uh, if you want to look at chances created, just among the, the top totals, Atlanta United's top five players combined for eight. Columbus's top five players Combined for 17. That's not a winning formula when you're at home in the playoffs. All right, that number again is 404-526-AJCP. That's 404-526-2527. On to the traditional mailbag from Allen. If Gigi gets a yellow in the Cincinnati match, does he miss the first playoff game? No, yellow cards do not carry over from the regular season into the playoffs, according to the MLS website. His second question Pineda mentioned that Columbus caused problems with overloads in the midfield by inverting the left back similar to what we've done with Lennon. We being Atlanta United, says Allen. He said we had trouble solving that. Hindsight being 2020, what is the counter move? There's a couple of different things you can do. You can kind of go man on man marking and just uh, know who it is you're you're picking up as they come in. It's also just communication. Um, You could drop the winger in. You can bring the fullback up. 
but you just got to communicate and know I'm picking up this guy if this happens. It's done in training. It's it's done with drills. Um, again, it's a little curious why. And this has happened a couple of times this year. A team brings out a tactical tweak, and Atlanta United cannot adjust until halftime. I don't know if it's just a lack of of uh, an on field, not Guzan, a, a like outfield player that can can talk the guys through it and get it fixed, like on an injury, short injury break or, or something like that. On to Luke, who says, Mr. Doug, do you think it may be best to start Mosquera and have Saba as a super sub, given that those were our best games? Keep up the good work. I think it's worth discussing. Um, you know, Saba has not been effective in his past two games as a starter. No shots, no chances created. Um, maybe that's an option. It's certainly one that, that should be discussed, Luke. Good question. William says, the Gulch seems to be the new name for the supporter section. Not bad. Yeah. That, that works. Uh, you know, I don't know if it inspires me, but I'm not the target audience for that. Um, but I like the idea since the Gulch is, I think, going away, right? It's being developed by Todd Reeser's brother or family member or something like that. Nick says, Doug, I hope you enjoyed your coffee as it starts to get colder out. I did. I've had my two cups. And then I'm going to go have lunch with my son. And then I'm going to go watch a comedy show with my girlfriend tonight. So I'm excited about that. My question, says Nick, is what was wrong with the attack last night? I love my last-minute equalizer winner as much as the next guy, but as great as that is, I feel like we should have created more. I can understand that. You're playing at home. The team is traditionally, or has been since the League's Cup break, uh, dominant at home, uh, with the exception of the loss to Cincinnati, in which it gave up two goals in five minutes. Again, a worrisome trend. But Columbus was just better. The coaching staff, Pineda said, they didn't get it right. Columbus was better. And on to our questions of the week. Adam says, who to thunk when the two highest scoring teams in Major League Soccer meet up, it would end up just 1-0 or 1-1? Me. We were having dinner before the match and talking with one of the front office people for Atlanta United. And he was asking us, what do we think is going to happen? And two guys said, I think it's going to be high scoring. So I said, okay, I'm going to go the opposite way. And I think it'll be low scoring because it's MLS. Anyway, Adam continues. I'm glad to again see the fight back from the boys, but it's also obvious that they're still not a complete team. It is time to stop fretting about playoff position and accept they'll just need to pull off road upsets if they're to advance. Well, that's a much, much easier typed than done. But I understand your point. Pineda trotted out the now usual lineup. I get it that this is arguably Atlanta's best 11, but couldn't help but wonder if it also means the stripes are too predictable in strategy, that they lack the ability to change their approach for certain opponents and perform with a true plan B. You know, if you're a follower of the podcast, you've heard me talk about this many, many, many times. Um, if I were a manager, I would drill two formations so that I could change those formations mid-game, even, you know, mid-break whenever is possible to adapt to whatever situation I'm facing. Work on them and work on them and work on them until the players are very comfortable with making those switches. And yes, at times it does not look like Atlanta United has a plan B, whether at home or on the road. And it's just, you know, it, it, I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. That's 
a coach's preference, and, and it works for a lot of teams just to have a plan A and not really have a plan B. But I'm going to be curious because Atlanta United doesn't play again for two weeks, and then I think it has another week before the playoffs start. If Pineda starts to go back and drill a three-center back lineup so that if they're getting overrun – um. They can switch to like a 3-4-2-1 or something like that. Try to clog the middle. Just try to get to a halftime or something. Have some more talks and then be able to 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 go from there. And, you know, in a pinch you can use – you can drill Caleb. You can drill Brooks. You can – you can't put Mayumbo or Huzetu as, as another center back. But you can come up with some sort of solution. Um. Because it's necessary, and I've talked about this. It's what Tata did with Atlanta United uh, before the 2018 playoffs. He dropped Tito Viaba, uh, moved Julian Gressel inside, and it worked for Atlanta United. They became a kind of bunker and counter team. But they have Miguel Almiron, who could outrun everybody. Atlanta United has a couple of guys like that now. They can outrun everybody if they want a bunker and counter. But, you know, statistically – Atlanta United has not had success against the teams it's likely going to face in the playoffs. I think it's uh, one win against the top five teams this year. Cincinnati, Orlando, Philadelphia, Columbus, New England. The only one they've beaten is Philadelphia, and that was at home. The rest are, have been draws or losses with one match remaining against Cincinnati. That does not bode well for advancing in the playoffs. He continues – Saba, seemingly for such little service last night, my friends and I were wondering if he was being punished or ignored for spite. No, nobody does that. Atlanta's inability to switch the field and play down the right side was stupefying to us. That's a good word, stupefying. And Saba looked like he felt the same as he was subbed off. Were we just seeing things? I think Columbus just made it hard. Their press made it hard. They, they weren't going to give Atlanta players time to get their head up and look for somebody on the other side of the field. But, of course, that's the point. The point is, you just you do it. You don't need to get your head up. You know your player's there. You hit the ball, and off you go. He says, P.S., I heard the Jackets' last-second win on the way home. I'm not sure my heart can take multiple miracle finishes in one night. <laughs> well, one was a win against a ranked team on the road, and the other was to pull out a draw at home uh, with possibly fourth place on the line. So I don't know if a miracle is the right word, but I understand your sentiment. All right, please tell your friends about our show. Please give us a rating and a review on Spotify and Apple. That's what helps us grow the podcast. We won't have anything next week uh, unless there's some news from Atlanta United or maybe the U.S. Soccer Federation. Um, I'm going to be helping the AJC with its excellent coverage of the Atlanta Braves in the National League Division Series. So I'll be at Truist Park on Monday. So if you see me there, say hey. Then fly into Philadelphia on Tuesday to cover games three and four if necessary. And the Braves better hope it's necessary. And then coming back next week with either NLCS coverage and or Atlanta United coverage. I'll be bouncing between the two if that's what happens. As always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones. Thanks for listening to Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.